0: Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. It's good to be speaking into this series. In our church in Monash, we have a, uh, a guy called Matt. Matt. And Matt is a a judo Olympian. He represented Australia at the Beijing Olympics. He's a short, nuggety guy. He's uh, one of our service pastors. And um, one of the distinguishing features about young Matt is that he has a cauliflower, he's got cauliflower ears. And so uh, I can remember him posting on Instagram a photo of his cauliflower ear. Uh, the moment before, I don't know what you do with a cauliflower. I think you syringe them or something. But it was a pretty gruesome-looking photo. And uh, so, but he wears his cauliflower ear. He carries his cauliflower ear as a badge of honour. And uh, you know, when people look at him, they go, "Yeah, you look like a judo player. You've got cauliflower ears. I can see that." A badge of honour. I've got uh, three sons and a son-in-law who's married to my daughter. Of course, that's how these things work. Um, <laughs> So, so, uh, uh, so, son-in-law Steve is married to our daughter Christy, and they're running the church at Kingscliff, pastoring up there, doing a phenomenal job. But uh, Steve, uh, shortly after they got married, before they had any kids or anything like that, decided to get a tattoo, and uh, so he got he what the word. Christy tattooed over his heart. You know, it's a very nice thing. This is no commentary on tattoos or anything, but, but, uh, but the interesting thing about the tattoo of the word Christy over his heart is that it's in white ink, and you actually can't see it unless he, until he gets sunburned. And that's the only time you can actually see the tattoo. But it's his badge of honour as a husband is the tattoo of his wife's name over his heart. So, I have three sons. Our eldest son, Nathan, married to Sash. So, uh, Nathan has uh, three little girls. They're not going to have any more, uh, girls or boys, for that matter. Um, But uh, he has his three daughters' names tattooed on his arm, and they represent his badge of honor as a father. My middle son, Caleb, who's in England at the moment, doesn't have any tattoos, and that's cool. Um, then our youngest son, Josh, who uh, uh, probably at about 17 or 18 years of age, slipped away from God. He'd grown up in church all his life, but then uh, chose his own path when he left school. Uh, and about, ex- in fact, exactly 12 months to the day, Pentecost Sunday last year, he, uh, he was visiting us and came to church and uh, responded to the altar call and on his knees, weeping, the power of God had touched him and convicted his heart, and he gave his heart back to Christ on Pentecost Sunday. But um, in the early days of his departure from um, all things authority representing, he decided to get some tattoos and um, he had a friend who ordered a tattoo artist 's gun or whatever they are uh, online, so they 've got the ink and the gun online, and so his friend decided to practice on Josh. And so Josh has um, a couple of tattoos on his thigh. One is the pe- a piece of pizza and the other one is a box camera. And uh, I, I don't know what they are, but I probably look at them as a, as a badge of honor to his season of rebellion or whatever you want to call it. But uh, a badge of honor. What's your badge of honor? When I think about Jesus, I think about the cross and what he went through. I think about his nail-scarred hands and feet, and I think about his side that was pierced, and I think about the badge of honor that Jesus bears for us. What's your badge of honor? What are your heart scars? What are are the things that are your badge of honor as a believer, as a Christian? In 1 Peter 2.17, I love this scripture. It says this, honour all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honour the King. Those three words, honour all people, are a a call to arms, if you like, for us and our badge of honour. For us to honour all people is a very, very powerful thing. I love that. Love the brotherhood, we are C3. We're part of the brotherhood of the worldwide church of God, and but we are C3. And here at Watson, we're C3 Watson. Love the brotherhood, fear God, honour the King, but honour all people. I think that uh, honour is the oil of relationship. It's the, it's the soothing, healing thing that makes the cogs turn. And so this morning on Pentecost Sunday, I actually believe that we need the healing, we need the anointing of the Spirit of God poured out afresh over our lives and our worlds so that our relationships can mesh together with that oil of heaven and empowering our relationships. Honour is what you give value to and put weight in. It's a concept that uh, we probably don't give a great deal of thought about these days. But the thing about honor is that it started with our Father in heaven. He honored you and I so much that he put so much weight on the relationship with you and I that he sent his best, his son Jesus, to actually pay the price so that he could be in relationship with us. That is the oil of that relationship. And so for you and I, we need to be able to, um, in response to how God has honored us, honor all people because that same oil is poured out for you and I to be able to uh, smooth our relationships. Honor cascades down from the top. The world would say that honor has to start at the bottom and go up, but it actually doesn't. It started at the top and is cascading down. You and I are able to honor all people because we've been honored by God. We've been valued by God. We've been weighed by God. And he finds you and I worth honoring. All humans, every single one of us, is endowed with an innate honor by virtue of our creation in the image of God. We have been created in God's image. And so that makes every single person worthy of honor. So we can't come across anybody and say, well, I can't honor them. Because the scriptural injunction is for you and I to honor all people. It doesn't matter ethnicity, age, demographic. It doesn't matter what. It doesn't matter their social status. You and I have a place where we convey honor to all people. Psalm 8 verse 4 and 5 It says this, What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you should visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You and I have been crowned with glory and honor. You and I have been made honorable. And so because of that, every lie that comes into your head that says, well, you're worthless, you don't deserve this, there's nothing good about you, they don't, if they really know who you are, they wouldn't honor you. That is all lies, because you and I are being crowned with glory and honor. And because of that, this sense of worth and identity that rises up in us as Christians enables us to be able to honor all people. It's a very powerful thing. Honor isn't hierarchical. Honor is given. It's not taken. So we give honor. We take offense, and we do that really well. We've got that down to a fine art. But how good are we at giving honor? We, honor is given and not taken. You can't take honor and demand honor from somebody. Honor is given and we give honor. And so for you and I to be honorable people and to honor all people, we need to understand how this functions in our life and in our world. Prevailing culture would suggest to us, probably stronger than suggest, would be influencing us to recognize that self is the most important thing, the highest authority in our life and in our world. But I want to say to you today that kingdom culture invites us to honor others above ourselves. So, self is not the most important uh, relationship in our world. Honoring others is, and our relationship with God is. And so, we find ourselves contending with a prevailing culture that wherever we go, people are valuing themselves more highly than they ought. They're valuing themselves rather than other people. But you and I, as countercultural Christians, can actually uh, move in an opposite spirit and honor people uh, above ourselves. So I want to have a look this morning at three maybe not commonly recognized benefits of honor. Honor cures pride. Honor enriches life. And honor shifts atmospheres. Those three things. I want to just uh, unpack it a little bit this morning. So the first one is honor cures pride. Pride is the ultimate barrier in relationships. In order to honor all people, We need a cure for pride. Pride, according to the Bible, is concentration on self. Pride is absorption in self. C.S. Lewis said this, Pride is ruthless, sleepless, unsmiling concentration on the self. Pride. This is what pride does. Pride makes you concentrate everything on you so you don't get into uh, relationships, you don't get into a job, you don't interact with people, you don't do anything unless there's something in it for you. Pride puts self above everything else. So there's nothing, pride means that there's nothing that we are doing, uh, it's it's all about us and the return that we get for ourselves. C.S. Lewis also says this, pride gets no pleasure out of having something, but only out of having more than the next person. So it's not about the thing, it's about our relationship with that and comparison to everything else. And I guess that's one of the things for me, one of the cautions I have around social media is that this. This comparison thing gets put out there. And most of the time, we internalize our own weaknesses and failures and shortcomings because that's all we get to see. Everywhere in the Bible, we are told pride goes before a fall. Pride leads to destruction and devastation. Pride is deadly. All pride is deadly. So how is pride deadly? I want to look at three thoughts about pride. First, pride makes you a fool. I know you're kind of thinking, oh, this is a really uplifting, feel-good message. It will get better, and it will feel that way at the end. But, pr- but I want you to hear me out here. Pride makes us foolish. It keeps us from learning from our mistakes, because we're always self-justifying. A proud heart always justifies itself. When your relationships break up, when you lose your job, when things don't go well, it's always everybody else's fault. It's not ours. Pride keeps us from learning from our mistake. Pride keeps us from learning from circumstances that God might be trying to teach us something in. So when things don't work out the way that they should, uh, we should be saying to ourselves, God, what are you trying to teach me here? What are you showing me here? What, What am I missing here? So... Humble people are not always looking to themselves. They're looking to the situations and circumstances and what God is actually challenging them in. So humble people can laugh at themselves. Humble people are able to take uh, instruction and that kind of thing. When things go wrong, they're open to investigating it. But pride makes us foolish when we don't learn from our mistakes. Pride also makes us foolish when we don't learn from criticism. We get defensive. And so, you know, none of us like getting criticised. And as in, in a leadership role, you'll be open to more criticism than the average person. But, um, you know, the thing about it is, usually in criticism, there's, a, there's a, a thread of truth that we can learn from if we're not defensive and self-justifying. So pride makes us foolish because we don't learn from our stakes and we, um, we don't learn from criticism. Another thing, though, another thought about pride is that pride makes us evil. This is getting going from bad to worse, isn't it? So From foolish to evil. But hear me out. Pride is what made the devil the devil. Pride is not one sin among many, but really the root underneath all of sin. Tim Keller makes this statement, pride is the hellish spiritual petri dish that grows all kinds of stuff in your life. That's a challenging statement because pride in us means that everything else comes out of it. Everything that is separating us or causing a degree of separation in our relationship with God in our relationship with other people comes out of pride. Many of us struggle a great deal with bitterness, anger towards the people that have done things to us. Many people's lives have been distorted or destroyed by anger. But remember this, you can't stay angry at someone and you can't stay resentful at someone unless you feel superior to them. And so the root of that is pride because it's like, I wouldn't do that. I would never have done that. How can they treat me that way? Underlying all of that perspective is pride. And so pride ultimately leads to the fall in that. There's no bitterness without pride because that's exactly what we're saying. Well, I wouldn't behave that way. You know, fear is uh, anxiety, insecurity, worry, all have their root in pride. You go, well, how does that work? Well, it's kind of like, well, God, if I was running things... None of this stuff would be like this. And so, but I'm not, so I'm fearful and anxious. We're actually saying from a proud position that we would do things better and differently to what God does. The root of that is pride. It's underlying us and it shapes everything else from moving forward from there. Pride. So, pride leads us to being opinionated. It's like, you know, well, what do they know anyway? It's healthy to have opinions, but it's not healthy to be an opinionated person and to be a critical person. Pride leads us to being indecisive because we're fearful of what people might think if we make a decision. And so we, we, get, we kind of think, well, if I was running things, I would be able to make this work. And pride is underneath all of that, the wrong way of looking at things. Pride makes us too shy because we think we're not worthy. We think that we don't have a contribution to make. But pride is under all of that because God honors all of us. And so pride is underlying all of that. So pride makes you a fool. Pride makes you evil. Pride is the one sin that hides itself. So we find ourselves not even aware of pride going on. Because I know you've been nudging your neighbor and saying, you need to hear this. And, and it's like, well, actually pride is a, is a sin that hides itself. I've heard it said that pride is the carbon monoxide of sin, killing you without having any ability uh, to tell that it's actually happening. It's odorless. Most of us have pride going on, all of us, I should say, have pride going on in our life that we're not even aware of. And so pride is the sin that hides itself. Because you're saying to me, well, I'm not proud. And I go, okay, okay. Isn't that an expression of pride in itself, right there? It's almost a circular argument, isn't it? It's Because it's like, I can't lose this argument, can I? Because all of us are tainted by this thing. But it's a sin that hides itself. And we we learn how to layer over it justifications and so on. So, by definition, the more proud you are, the more clutches pride has on you the less proud you think you are so it's like well we don't think we're proud it's actually an expression of the fact that you're more proud than you think you are The obviously the opposite of all of this is humility but it's kind of like you know when you're in another sort of sin you know when you know when you you uh, wake up and to, to somebody who's not your wife and you go didn't realize you weren't my wife kind of thing you're in adultery it's not like you didn't know you're in adultery it's not like you don't realize you're ripping people off money wise and your bank accounts it's like you know when you're embezzling you know when you're in adultery but do you really know when you're in pride do you get a sense of what that could be like so you know i've been in vocational ministry for 25 years and, and and a church leadership on top of that as well but in all my time, you know, I've had lots of altar calls and people wanting for prayer for this and that and the other. I cannot recall, I literally cannot recall anybody coming up to me and saying, I want prayer to be delivered from pride. And yet it's probably the most pervasive thing in our hearts and lives. And, you know, I, I think that uh, uh, this, it just opens up so many thoughts and, and things But the cure for pride is honor, because we're preferring other people over ourselves. Honor moves in the opposite spirit to pride. It disempowers pride. Honor prefers others to ourselves. In Romans 12.10, it says this, Devoted, that is to take delight in, outdo yourselves. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. We have no excuse not to honor, honor other people. We have no excuse to allow pride to rise to the surface. And so pride is the sin that hides itself, but it's there simmering away just beneath you and I in our surface. And so it's something that we need to deal with. You know, at the end of the service, the previous service, a beautiful person came up in tears and said and asked the question, uh, how, how do you deal with pride? And I thought that was a really good question to ask because it's like, how, okay, if we all, I hope you're at the place of acknowledging that there is pride at work in our lives. What do we do with that? And I think one of the key things that we can do, scroll, follow the scriptural injunction, is to renounce the hidden things of shame. When God reveals it to you and when God brings to your thinking, you know what? there's pride here, then move on that. Confess it, renounce it, repent of it, decide not to do it again, and move on. And listen to that voice. Listen to that. You might go, I'm not proud about that. (laughs) The very thing that you're not proud about reveals that there's pride at work there. So go to that place of renouncing the hidden things of shame. The second point then, so the first one is that uh, honor cures pride. The second thought about honor then is that it enriches, it enriches life. Ephesians 6, 22 to 3 says this, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. The first authority figures that you and I engage with in life are our parents. Machiavelli said this, it's not titles that honor men, but men that honor titles. We honor our parents because that's what we've been instructed to do, because we, it will be well with us and uh, we'll live long on life. Things fall apart when we lose respect for authority or authority is eroded. Mark Twain said this, When I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant, I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to 21, I was astonished at how much the old man had learned in seven years. It's like we honor our parents, not even because they have done things that are deserving of honor, but of who they are. We actually don't get the luxury of choosing who we honor. We don't get the luxury of choosing the authority figures in our lives most of the time. And so because of that, it's not like, well, I'm going to honor you. I'll honor my parents if they deserve it. No, we honor it because it's a biblical principle. We honor the authorities in our lives because it's a biblical principle. And so that means that then, then we learn, we're free to honor those that are deserving, that are in places of authority over us. Tim Keller again says this, it's respect for parents That is the basis of every kind of respect and every other kind of authority. So our engagement with our parents obviously changes through stages of life. So as kids, we learn how to obey our parents. As adults, we learn how to respect our parents. And so we move forward in that sense. It doesn't mean that we just do what they tell us to all the time or we don't ask questions. We actually engage healthily, but we can do all of that respectfully, but with honor do you realize that Jesus didn't always agree and do what his mother said to him to do? And you can read an example of that one that I think of in the, uh, the, the, the wedding at Cana. Um, so she wanted him to do something that he didn't want to do it that way. And so it's like there is ways of actually respecting but not agreeing. And we need the skill, the life skill to be able to do that. So I think we can honor people. We can honor authority figures without compromising our convictions. And that's a very powerful truth to be aware of. Romans 13.7 says this, Render, therefore, all their due. And He goes on to talk about, Render honor to whom honor is due. And that's those authority figures that are in our lives. But as we learn how to honor, it enriches our lives. And we don't honor people or God by flattering them. Flattering people is not honor. Honor is an issue of the heart. Isaiah 29, 13 says this. Inasmuch as these people draw near to me with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but they have removed their hearts far from me. It's a heart, honor is a heart issue. We can say the right thing, but honor is far from it's a heart issue. And pride would probably be saying to us, Well, I would never do that. <laughs> <clears throat> so it's a heart issue. So when we think about uh, pro, um, honor cures pride honor enriches life and the third thought is that honor shifts atmosphere Mark 6.45 is a scripture that we're pretty familiar with but it talks about where Jesus uh, Jesus is talking about a prophet is without honor in his own town I think one of the and, and so he was a, only, only able to do a few miracles there which is probably more than most of us can do but still he's, he, what he's saying is is that, uh, that a lack of faith and a lack of honor inhibit what God wants to do in our world. Inhibit. You know, honor, then the, the flip side of that, the honor is the key to unlocking the supernatural in our world. Honor is un- the key to unlocking heaven on earth here now for you and I. Um, the, one of the things about that is that familiarity can block honor. That's what Jesus is saying. Another way of what He was saying that familiarity can block honor. So don't be so familiar with those in your world that blocks you from honoring them. You have two incredible pastors here in, in Mel and Paul Marshall. You know, I, I, you know, don't let your familiarity with them diminish the honor that you give to them, that that they receive and that they deserve, because it's a principle. It's uh, and because the, the scripture says those who labor over you in the word are worthy of double honor, your past. It, and the, the thought about that is when we honor people, which we're honoring everybody, but then there's certain people that are worthy of double honor, those that carry the things of the kingdom and they're leading to you. And it goes back to that prophetic word or that encouragement that I shared at the beginning, that you know, they will see things and be able to speak things into your life that will do you good. They are worthy of double honor. And so don't let familiarity hold you back or rob you or block um, your, your ability to be able to honor them. <clears throat> don't be so familiar with them that it blocks what God wants to say to you through them. You know, a, a, the other thought is, so a, a lack of honor can block our prayers. And so if you look at uh, 1 Peter 3, 7, and wives, you can thank me later for this one. But husbands must give honor to your wives so your prayers will not be hindered. If we as husbands don't know how to honor our wives, uh, then you know our prayers are going to go blocked and hindered. And so I look at that and I, I, I think if I don't know how to uh, prefer my wife, to honor my wife, to do the best by her, to listen to her, to do all those sort of things that would constitute honoring of my wife, then I'm, my prayers are going to be blocked. And so, you know, again, honor is a heart issue, becomes that sort of dynamic. And so as we draw to a close, I just want to, I, I was thinking about, because I was reading through Esther, the book of Esther recently, and the phrase that really stood out for me was, there is a man the king delights to honor And so that was the heart of the king at the time. And there was a guy called Haman who thought it was him. And he manipulated and contrived to get the honor that he thought that the king wanted to confer onto this man. And yet it ended up being, uh, despite all of his manipulations, it ended up being Mordecai was the one that the king honored. But I'm here to say to you today that there is a king in heaven who wants to confer honor to you. And there is no manipulation or destruction or deceit or anything like that that come into your life that can derail the conferring of the king's honor to you as a person of worth, of value, of substance. And so as you, you know, the greatest king of all delights to honor you today. So I know that there are voices in your head contesting that. They may be voices that are, that are, um, voices of ethnic origin, or they may be just lies, or family of origin stuff, or whatever it is that are there to undermine a word of God coming to you today to say that you have value, you have honor, you carry weight because God sees you that way. Honor that cures pride, honor that enriches life. Honour that shifts atmospheres. These are the things that that impact your relationships, that you can do. You can convey honour in all of these arenas and lock these things, unlock these things over your world. So what is your badge of honour today? Is it a heart surrendered to Jesus? Is it a heart that's tattooed with an honouring spirit? that wants to bring the best out of people in your life and in your world? What's your badge of honor? Or is it pride that says, no, I'm okay? What's your badge of honor? Let's just bow our heads, close our eyes. Heavenly Father, this Pentecost Sunday, God, as we think back to a moment in history, when your spirit was poured out poured out on all flesh when prophesy was when when a prophecy was fulfilled and when your name was glorified and lives were touched and changed forever by the power of your spirit I pray that that same spirit would settle on our hardened hearts, Lord hearts that have walked with you for a long time and maybe just kind of developed a sense of resistance hearts that are Ultimately shaped and defined by pride that separate us from you. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, be the oil in our relationships. Be the empowering that allows us to honor, to see the worth, the intrinsic worth and value and weight in every single person that we find ourselves. Lord, may we be the sort of people that honor in such a way that is not flattering or empty words, but is a heartfelt recognition of the value of each and every person in our world. Thank you, Lord. I thank you, God, today for those of us that you have convicted about the pride in our lives. Lord, that we would lay that down. We would allow you the freedom to bring your healing, ministering touch into our spirit today. Father, that we would renounce the hidden things of shame. We would renounce the things that separate us from you. Lord, I pray spirit of honor over your people today as we learn how to receive the honor that you have conveyed to us, God. We thank you for that, God. We thank you, God, that you counted each and every one of us worthy of of being honored by heaven itself. May the reality of that, God, release us to bring the oil of the Spirit of God into the relationships that we find ourselves. And God, I pray for those of us that are being convicted about pride in our hearts and lives. Help us learn to know how to deal with that pride. Lord, to renounce the hidden things of shame. Lord, not to harden our hearts, but to respond at the still small voice that comes our way, convicting us, God. Father, right now, I come against the spirit of pride and I break its power in Jesus' name. And I thank you for the release of the oil of heaven over each and every one of your people in this place today. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our church, find us online at c 3 churchwatsoncomau We hope to see you in church again this weekend.